Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we are going to be listening to excerpts from the 2019 Drama Vic Conference, Unity, Exploring Diversity and Inclusion in Drama Education. I can take no credit for the amazing words you are going to be listening to over these next few episodes. They all come live from the Drama Big Conference, 5th and 6th of December 2019. So without any further ado, I bring you an excerpt from the 2019 Drama Victoria Conference. Day 1, Session 1, Presentations and Research Papers. Danielle Horatsky from Monash University. Good morning, everyone. Uh, On behalf of Drama Victoria, I'd like to welcome you to this session of presentations and research papers. Our presenters today are Richard Salas, Carol Carter, and Danielle Horatsky. Horatsky. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Over the past 20 years in theatre studies, our students have been almost as likely to study a play or a monologue by Shakespeare as one by a woman, any woman. However, they've been far more likely to study one by a woman than by a First Nations playwright, or one from Africa, Asia, the Middle East, South America. During the same time period in drama, they've studied plays almost equally by men, which is the green, and women. In terms of the playwrights' ethnicities, most of them have come from Australia, and within that, quite a variety of ethnicities beyond Anglo-Australian. There's also been a fair few First Nations playwrights, and then a small number of ones from Britain, Europe, the United States, and then we have a few, just a very few, from other cultures including South Africa, India and Brazil. However, in drama we also have solos, which are based on stimulus. The stimulus can be a text such as a poem or a play or a novel or a cartoon, or they can be based on an individual person. These creators, either the individual people or the the artists who created these texts, have once again been pretty overwhelmingly male. They have come largely from Britain and the United States, a small number from Australia, even smaller who are First Nations, few from Europe and then a few from other cultures. I think this is a problem. My name is Danielle Horansky. I'm currently doing my PhD at Monash University. I'm in my first year. I was teaching drama at a rural state secondary college for five years. My PhD is investigating how we can transform drama teachers' attitudes and knowledge and interest in teaching First Nations content in drama. This, what I'm presenting today, is quite a small segment of that, and I want to point out that I do not have all the answers to this problem. I have a few ideas and I have a lot more work to do before I get anywhere. I'd really like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the country throughout Australia, in particular the Boon and Wurrung peoples on whose land we meet today, and where I've been lucky enough to live for most of my life, and actually where my ancestors have lived for a growing number of years. My first ancestor to come to Australia came as a convict 
uh, rocked up in the Rotuti uh, or Tasmania and then came over to Bunurong country, settled in Bunurong country. More recently, some of my ancestors came as refugees and economic migrants after World War II from Eastern Europe. So I'm a bit of a hodgepodge, <laughs> but I'm not First Nations. I want to make that really clear. I acknowledge the traditional owners of this country. I acknowledge their elders, past, present and future. I acknowledge the connection to land, waters and culture that is so important. And I thank you for allowing me to live on this country. And I'd really like to thank all of you for coming today and listening to what's going to be a lot of data. <laughs> um, but I hopefully I'll make it fun for you. I think data is really, really important when it's used well. I th want to thank you for teaching the subjects that make such a difference in our students' lives and for being willing to make them more inclusive and diverse than they already are. I want to be really clear from the start that even though I'm talking about quite serious issues that I see in VCE Theatre Studies and Drama, I'm not accusing anyone of deliberately excluding women or people of colour. I've selected texts and stimuli that are just as heavily weighted towards Western men because I wasn't thinking about it. But I think we need to think about it. Nor do I believe these issues to be exclusive to the performing arts. In fact, I think we're probably more aware of the importance of inclusion and diversity than many other subjects. But we're not living up to that awareness, and we need to start. I'm going to start by talking about why diversity and inclusion are important, and what I believe to be some of the root causes of inequity. I'm going to talk about the tool I used to gather my data, what I did with it, and what I think it means. I'm going to get you to have a look at it and talk about what you think it means, what you notice in it. Then I'm going to talk about three things that I've noticed and what I think they could mean for drama and theatre studies in the future. We're going to have a bit of a discussion about a stimulus, a drama stimulus from a few years ago called The Spirit of Colonisation and how we as drama teachers can work with stimuli that sometimes aren't that great but still deal with important issues and how we can make them better. And then I'm going to talk about maybe persuading you into doing this kind of audit on your own subjects. All right. So why should we care about diversity and inclusion? Why not just teach the classics, those amazing texts that have shaped the Western canon of theatre? Don't our students deserve to know about Sophocles and Brecht and Chekhov and our beloved Shakespeare? Of course they do but they also deserve more. More than a third of Australians say that there are ethnicities that do not belong in Australia. They say that Australia is weakened by people of different ethnic origins sticking to their old, old ways, and they're not talking about Anglo-Australians continuing to teach Shakespeare. Racism is rife in our society. First Nations peoples as a group suffer the most systematic and institutional discrimination. Recent migrants from non-Anglo non cultures suffer extreme racism during their first five years in Australia, but it doesn't go away. That prejudice continues on for generation after generation. 
you have people, you have Chinese Australians who have been here for sometimes 200 years who are still being asked, oh, where do you come from? Young women are among the worst affected by racism. And horrifically, schools are a key site for discrimination and prejudice from both students and teachers. So what we teach our students is so important. Including people, including diversity is so, so important. More specifically in the performing arts, a study in 2015 showed that most culturally diverse young Australians view Australian theatre as a Western space that doesn't welcome them and their families. This is unsurprising, given that nearly all major Australian arts providers source their works from within the Western theatre tradition. They don't feel welcome. An American study showed that only 12 to 17% of plays produced on Broadway are by female playwrights, even though women are attending drama school in just as many numbers as men. They're, they're just as talented, but they're not getting their work produced. We also need to care about diversity and inclusion because we rationalise our subjects by saying that we care. In drama, we say that we will explore, express and validate students' identities. We say that our students will learn to empathise, to accept and understand diversity. We say that our texts will reflect different cultures, different abilities, different genders, sexualities. We say that we're doing these things. In theatre studies, we say that theatre is an integral part of all cultures and all times. We say that it is an agent for change, representation of values and a window in society. We need to live up to our own study designs. So, there's this really well-known cartoon. I'm sure you've all seen it before. Showing the difference between equality and equity. It's arguing that rather than giving everyone the same thing, we need to give more resources, more time, more help to those who have less, those who are disadvantaged in our society. But reality is more like this. Those who are advantaged are given more. Think about that fact that I said, that we teach almost as much Shakespeare as anything by any woman. Shakespeare's not going anywhere. I love Shakespeare, and I'm going to bash him a little bit in this, but I do love him. I love his writing. But he's not going to disappear if we don't teach his text every single year. Going back to the equity picture, it's not bad. I see the point. But actually, what I think we need to be working towards is more like this. Let's get rid of the, the fence. Let's get rid of the system which is causing the disadvantage in the first place. The work I'm presenting today is based in critical pedagogical theories, which acknowledge that differences in <coughs> educational, out, educational outcomes between certain groups exist. 
we're very aware of things like the gap in educational outcomes between First Nations students and non-Indigenous students. But we argue that the source of failure is the system rather than the students. Most importantly, these theories view these inequalities as both unfair and avoidable. We can do something about them, and we should be. In Australia, many of the laws which explicitly excluded, excluded or targeted women or people of colour have been dismantled. That's fantastic. Change is possible. But our education system still advantages men over women, white over black, rich over poor, abled over disabled, straight over queer. That advantage is not vague or ephemeral or hard to find. When you start looking, it's blatantly obvious. The idea of this research is to look, to uncover where those advantages and disadvantages exist, understand how they're working, and hopefully change them for the better. One of the tools which can be used, and which I've used in this study, for this work is an equity audit. So an equity audit is a way of collecting and analysing data on aspects of schooling. Past equity audits have investigated inequalities in race or ethnicity, gender, socioeconomic status, disability, and gender and sexual identities. Traditionally, researchers would analyse all aspects of schooling, including administration, financing, materials and facilities, class sizes, and so on. But this generates a ridiculous amount of data, which is really overwhelming and doesn't get used. And if you collect data without using it, there's absolutely no point. You need to use it. So these days, equity auditors are encouraged to focus on teacher quality, programs, and achievements. For example, you might investigate how many women are teaching junior versus senior maths and science. You might investigate how and what students are being taught about sexuality and gender. You might look at how many First Nations students are receiving academic awards proportionately to non-Indigenous students. So these are the kind of questions that we might ask. My equity audit was even more focused. I looked just at a program aspect, so the texts and stimuli that have been used in drama since 2002 and theatre studies since 2001. And those dates were selected because that's when the um, past exams were available from online, so I could access them very easily. I was also quite limited in what I looked at. So I had my four different sections, the drama playlists, the drama solos, theatre studies playlists, and theatre studies monologues. I only looked at playwright or creator, which is how I'm going to refer to the drama stimulus creators, gender, and race or ethnicity. I looked at the characters, race or ethnicity. I didn't look at gender in the characters because that's been more controlled for the last little while, particularly in the monologues and solos. To aid in understanding this data, <coughs> I 
excuse me, I also looked at the year when the play or st stimulus was created. And for the playlist, I looked at the theatre company and the theatre where it was performed in that year. <laughs> when I look back at myself starting this project, I think I was quite naive. I knew that these exams were available online, and I went, sweet, I'll just grab all that data, chuck it in Excel, and we'll be done. <laughs> I also thought that there would be discrepancies, that there would be inequities, but I actually thought they'd probably get better over time. And neither of those thoughts, neither of those assumptions turned out to be true. Let's talk about the amount of data that I have. This is what it looks like. So I have an Excel sheet of each of these. This is just one example for each thing. So we have the VCE year, what it was for, the title, the playwright or creator, the playwright's race or ethnicity, their gender, the year in which it was written, the character race or ethnicity, and I'll talk more about these later, our theatre company and our theatre. Anyone would like to hazard a guess at how many of these I have? More than a hundred? Yes. <laughs> yes. <coughs> in drama, there's been 97 plays on the playlist since 2002. There's been 179 drama solos. On the Theatre Studies playlist, there's been 184 plays. And there's been 236 monologues. <laughs> this meant that I had nearly 700 100 data points. Because each of them has between eight and 10 data, data uh, variables attached to them, I have over 6,000 variables. <laughs> Took me a little while. Um, it was also quite difficult to find some of this information. So the past exams often listed the name of the play, but not the playwright. So I had to do a bit of Googling to find that. Once I had that information, I had to find out their gender, race or ethnicity, what year it was written, where it was performed, if it was performed, who was performing it, and what the races or ethnicities of the characters were. So yes, it was, it, this information is not always very valuable. And I also have to decide what I meant by race or ethnicity. Let's talk about that a little bit. Race and ethnicity are not scientific, biological concepts. At that level, they don't exist. They are human social constructions. When we talk about race, what we're usually talking about are pretty arbitrary physical characteristics. These might be skin color, eye colour and shape, hair colour and texture, but it differs quite a lot. Humans are really, really good at picking up minuscule differences to ourselves and constructing meaning around them. Ethnicity is more about cultural choices. So these are most visible through language, through clothing, through the food we eat, our religious practices. There's an element of choice there. Then we also have nationality, which is a legal status, acquired either through birth or naturalisation. And these come together to form our cultural identity. Obviously they do overlap, but they're quite distinct concepts. We also talk about black and white, and Western or non-Western cultures. So in the theoretical frameworks that I use, black and white 
most commonly refer to structural or institutional advantages and disadvantages based on race, so that physical appearance. However, they don't always have that much to do with the colour of your skin. So in Australia, for example, anyone who is non-Indigenous, like myself, can be understood as white. We settler, coloniser, migrant, refugee Australians, we benefit every single day from the dispossession of First Nations peoples. On the other hand, because we were colonised by Britain, Anglo-Australians in Australia's recent history have been more advantaged through things like the white Australia laws. So there's shades of whiteness that also intersect with gender and wealth and education and a whole range of other different factors to create privilege. Western and non-Western cultures in many ways is an easier concept. So it's referring to the cultures of Europe, largely Western Europe, which spread through colonisation to places like Australia and United States and Canada. Non-Western cultures is referring to those from Africa, Asia, the Middle East, South America, Oceania, and of course First Nations cultures around the world. So I'm not going to talk too much about black and white because I find it a very complex kind of um, topic that isn't going to be very easy to talk about in what I want to talk about today. I will talk about more about Western versus non-Western. And when I refer, oh yes. So what I was able to find for most playwrights was their nationality. Right? That's what is generally online. Most playwrights don't talk about their cultural heritage in a great deal of detail in their Wikipedia page, if they have a Wikipedia page, which most of them don't. Um, however, what I noticed was that Anglo-Australian playwrights tended to be listed as Australian, whereas playwrights from different ethnicities, such as Rick, Richard Franklin, are described in a great deal more detail. The same thing happened with characters. So where a character was assumed to be Anglo, such as in Wallflowering, there's no mention of anyone's ethnicity in this. Whereas in a play like Miss Tanaka, where there's a variety of different ethnicities, they're described in detail. So, my base assumption, which has some error within it, was that if I couldn't find anything about an Australian playwright's ethnicity, most likely they were Anglo. And of course there is some, some room for error in that, but that's what I went with. So they are described as either Anglo or unspecified. For most people around the world today, even though I have the detail, I'm going to talk about them by the continent they live on, which mainly aligns with their ethnicity. I'm going to separate Britain as our coloniser because Britain has such sway over our culture. And like I said, I'm going to refer to Australians as either Anglo-Australian or unspecified, and culturally and ling linguistically diverse or cold Australians. And because of my own specific interests, I do separate First Nations from that. Sometimes I will talk about the, the cold and First Nations together. I'll be clear when I do that. Alrighty. So, lots of data. I'm going to stop talking for a little while and I'm going to get you to look at my data.
I've made it into pretty little infographics with lots of colours. And there's one for each section. So I've got drama playlists, drama solos in purple, theatre studies playlists in blue, and theatre studies monologues in green. There's a whole range of data on here. You can take this home and keep it, that's fine. What I'd like you to do, we're going to be interactive. If I make it happen. Oh, come on. I'll try and get this working. Um, is I'd like you to look at it and see what you notice. See if there's anything you think, oh, that's great, because there is stuff in here that's strong. See if there's anything you're like, oh, that's not so great, that's a bit of a problem. Anything that surprises you, anything that puzzles you. And what I have, once I connect my laptop to the internet, which I've got only to do, is uh, we're going to use Pollev to put in your responses onto the screen. All right, so there'll be an internet site that comes up and you can just type it in. I'll set that up while you're having a look at these. Thank you. There's no wrong answers. Anything you notice is what I'm looking for. You might like to look at just one section. You might like to compare between different sections. Let me just get my internet. Richard, do you know why I'm no longer coming up on the screen? Okay, if you go back to that. The other alternative would be, okay, we'll just... Might try putting it in again. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to suggest. Hey. Yep. Alright, so when you have something you'd like to contribute, if you go to this address up here, you will be able to do that. You can go to that on your phone. Do you have, do you have access to the app? No, no you don't have to download anything, you just go in like a web address. And I am a little bit conscious of time, so if you feel comfortable enough to shout things out, I'm happy to work with that as well. Typing, that's so good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was very surprised at the uh, typical year 12 monologues. Yes. Uh, just the number of male uh, playwrights 
yeah. uh, in, in comparison to the female playwrights. For sure. The only female playwrights on the typical list were, were from Australia. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. very, very with, interesting. Yes, with Australia we tend to see greater gender equity, which is absolutely fascinating. And I also thought that this character ethnicity, I, I was a wondering, wondering mm -hmm. um, how closely that fits our actual, um, what, what's the, the word, the, uh, our cultural map of in Australia, Australia yeah. or yeah. even Victoria specifically, yeah. because yeah. this is a Victorian, yeah. do we have stats on that? Yes, yeah. so Australia, did you want to contribute to that, Richard? Yeah, I was just going to add, I mean, another question which I don't know the answer to, but I think it is the extent to which it also represents the theatre industry in Australia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we don't, we don't have the opportunity to go to a play written by an Indigenous playwright every night of the week, and yet we can probably go to a Shakespeare every night of the week if we, yeah. if we so chose. So, yeah, the extent to which it, it's also a, a mirror to the industry, the, the industry itself. Absolutely, and that's something that I wondered about as well, and that I'd like to talk more to in a minute, because I have some data to <laughs> explore with that. Um, Australia. My comment or question or actually surprise um, is because I have South African roots, I pick up on you know some of those um, things. Um, I see that, that you got the South African flag in 2004, yeah. um, which it surprises me that it sort of there was some things happening in 2004, and then it doesn't seem to have continued with any um, any things. And the other thing is, um, it's surprise. I'm, I'm assuming that you you used the flag. As in, you know, there were no other African countries represented, and it surprised me that there were no other African, um, um, because there were some hugely rich, you know, plays in other African countries as well. Yeah. yeah. So from memory, that that's in the drama solos. That yeah. was some poems. Okay. Uh, yeah. By Percy. Yes, yes, I know you talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. And then no, it hasn't. I'm not sure why South Africa wanted any other. Yeah. But possibly to do with the other, that colonisation. Yeah. 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 Um, in terms of Australia's ethnic makeup, um, it's around 60% Anglo-Australian, um, and then 40% from quite a wide variety of other places. So in terms of character ethnicity. If you look at the theatre studies 2001 to 2019, yep. European appears to be significantly more than the Anglo-Saxon. Yes. Which is interesting. Yes, it is. And do we know the stats on some of those others, like the First Nations? What What is the population of Indigenous Australians in Victoria? In Victoria is about 1.4. So I'm, welcome, I'm welcome to be corrected on that, but yeah. I think that's right. Cool. Yeah. So 1% includes... I'd love to see that data next to, yeah, but yeah. I can see how... For sure. So that's why I quite like the drama solos, because if you look at the ethnicities of the playwrights, that is actually quite reflective of Australia's genetic makeup, mm. uh, which is interesting. Um, stick to kind of female drama solos. Yes, I found that odd as well. 
I'm not sure why they've become less female over time. An Asian Australian category in which sense? In the classification, because I'm, I'm just wondering, because you've got Australian and then yeah. you've got the First Nations, yeah. right? What about the Asian Australian? Because so, I think that's an emerging field. Yeah, absolutely. So Asian Australian is included within culturally and linguistically diverse Australians or cold Australians. Okay. Yeah. So I do have the detail on detail of which ethnicity is, but I thought for today I'd just do a bit of a grouping. Um, but if I can give you that information. My other wondering was what do you do with drama solos that are based on a, a, a character that's not a person, like a, a fridge? Yep. And and where there's no gender specific. So that went into unknown. There were some unknowns. But also there is, if you look at the drama solos, there's a question mark in gender. Um, so most years, there's at least one where the gender of the creator isn't clear. And you're looking specifically the gender of the person who wrote the, or, or the, who wrote the stimulus as opposed to the character in the structure? Yes, yes. And why? Because I want our students to know that they can become poets and authors and cartoonists. Yeah. I think the person who creates is just as important as what they've created. Uh -huh. And the perspective that you can bring, the perspective that I can bring as a white Australian female, able-bodied, is not going to be even if I write something about a First Nations disabled boy, it's not going to really be that perspective. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Sort of. I'm, I'm just wondering in my head if um, what we're creating is, uh, like if, I, if I'm looking at, uh, I don't know, um, a, a female character from a male writer, yep and creating a performance from that, and I happen to be female, then I'm looking at the opportunity that that creates for new generation young female writers who are taking a well-known stimulus and then developing their own perspective on it and how rich and rewarding that is. And I think that that can be rich and rewarding, but I'd also like to see young women creating solos based on stimulus by women. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not that I want us to throw away the baby with the bathwater. The yeah. male Western theatre canon. It's beautiful <laughs> stuff, isn't it? Yeah. It's fantastic stuff. But I'd like to see it more diverse. I'd like to bring in more. So, so on that note, what about because what about plays that are being devised, and how would you then classify them? Because these are is it is your category only plays that are written with a playwright? I might go on to my next stuff because it's kind of addressed in that. How are we going with time? Should I wrap up? Um, keep going for another, at least another five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, so I noticed a few different things, and thank you so much for contributing to that. They were all really great points that helped me develop my thinking as well. So there's three things that I kind of noticed. Um, and I think they tell a little bit of a story about what's going on. So the drama and theatre studies playlists are both taken from what is being currently performed. But as we've talked about a little bit, the equity of both gender and race ethnicity is much better in drama than in theatre studies. 
So why is that? I'll skip through this a little bit. They're different subjects with different goals. So as we can see, we've got the gender in both. We can see that discrepancy is pretty ridiculous. And we can see that in terms of ethnicity, they're both drawing largely from Australian playwrights, but that diversity is stronger in drama. Uh, and then we have more variety, we have more First Nations and we have less British, less European, whereas here British is really playing a large role. Alright, so the different subjects, um, particularly drama, has had this requirement of non-naturalism or going beyond the reality of life as it is lived, whereas theatre has had to have a published script to be accepted onto the Theatre Studies playlist. So it, in terms of what we're talking about with devising, there's a lot more plays in drama that are devised works, whereas theatre tends to be these more well-known published works. But women have been writing and publishing plays for a really long time. <laughs> and if you go to Blackstage, there's a heap of First Nations playwrights on there, and they are being performed. They're being performed in greater numbers. So um, I think there is a bit of an industry problem. I know there's a lot going on in this slide. What is here is about where the play was performed and who was performing it. So there is stuff in common. You can see La Mama. So we've got drama on this side, theatre on this side. We've got La Mama on both. We've got Malthouse on both and Southbank Theatre on both. And we've actually, Malthouse and Southbank are in quite similar proportions. So we've got 14% and 16% are being performed at Malthouse Theatre, 5% and 8%, that's not a significant difference in what we're talking about at Southbank Theatre, and we've got 10% performance by Malthouse Theatre Company and 9% by Malthouse Theatre Company. So I've blanked those out because they are quite similar. Right? Um, what is different, oh yes, and lots tour, but who is touring um, is quite different. What is different is that drama is drawing from a lot of independent artists performing in small theatres. So La Mama is Melbourne's home of independent theatre. A lot of the artists that perform there have other jobs beyond acting right, to survive. And we also, the white is other, so not this top five. And in drama, these tended to be theatre groups that you've probably never heard of, or individuals. Whereas the other, in the theatre studies playlists, are people like Opera Australia, Sydney Theatre Company. They're big companies. The most common place for theatre study shows to be performed is the Arts Centre. The most common theatre company is Melbourne Theatre Company. These are our big guns. So, I think there is an industry problem. I think women and people of colour are getting a chance to perform in smaller theatre companies, in smaller theatres, whereas male Western playwrights are getting the chance to be performed in these larger theatres. So I think it is an industry problem, but if it was just an industry problem, the theatre studies monologues would be more diverse than the playlists, and they're not they're less diverse. And they can be selected from any play ever written. So there's this potential there to make those really diverse that's not being taken advantage of. So if we just 
look at a comparison between those, we can see they're more male. So the monologues less than 15% are written by women. And I think that's pretty sucky. Um, and in terms of ethnicity, I think Richard, Kelly, uh, you pointed out that Australian, there was that gender equity going on. And we can see that they're particularly in the monologues. Um, but as we said, the monologues are more European and the gender doesn't stack up there. We can see that about a third are by British playwrights, which I think is a bit excessive. We've got a, and Shakespeare is a big chunk of those, particularly in the playlists. America is a growing presence in these lists and a ridiculously tiny proportion come from other cultures. So I'd like us to <laughs> do something about this. Can I do I ask you about the students. You know, when there's a, there, are there more male students than female students? Or is it the other way around? I would say more female. Uh, otherwise, yeah. Yeah, mm. it tends to be more female students. So that's quite interesting that the, the plays selected are more males than females. Yeah. Than yeah. And that's sort of like classic that women are doing drama and are going to study drama, but I think are still getting performed less. So they're getting, they're getting, we're getting up the ranks but we're not quite pushing through that last little bit. I wonder about the, um, whether that's changing nowadays because of, if we looked at just the text stream in the last 20 years, for example, whether that um, skew would change. I've looked, I have looked at that. Oh. <laughs> I spent a lot of time looking at this data. I bet you do. <laughs> um, so in theatre studies we have the pre-modern and the modern. Um, so before 1920 and after 1920. Uh -huh. The modern ones are about two-thirds male versus one-third female. So that, and even going into more recent days, that it is still more weighted towards male. Right. Yeah, but it does grow less over time, and particularly in, um, in, those, in drama. So that, that there is that quite strong difference between drama and theatre studies, those small independent plays. Versus the big ones. Yeah, I don't know if you've um, had a look, but one thing that would be really useful, I think, to have a look at too, is in the examiner's report every year, it actually lists the characters and which characters the students chose to perform. Yeah. Because I think that's an interesting one as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do. I do recall. I think it was last year or the year before where the character Derumban from Secret River was, was on the theatre studies yeah. list. Um, and even though the VCAA consulted with the local um, Aboriginal peoples um, to, to have and, and sought other professional industry advice as to uh, provide advice for students and teachers as to um, the protocols of performing that character, it was very unpopular. Yeah, for sure. And in the sense of very few students performed it. Yeah. So, so I also, I guess that just moving forward, I was just thinking that perhaps also to consider the dialogue, I guess, that happens between the decisions that the playlist people make 
and the take up in schools of those characters and yeah. how one informs the other as well. Absolutely, and what I've done is a, like one small segment yeah, of this. Sure. Um, and I totally agree that what happens after the playlist is, is, is selected is really, really important. So that could be my whole creation. <laughs> it's not going to be. <laughs> but I agree, I think that's really interesting. Um, I hope, doing a little script now, that the advice document that Rachel and Kamara and I have been yeah. working on mm will help in making teachers more comfortable, comfortable. with teaching First Nations yeah, culture. Yeah. But on the Durambun char character, once again, that's a First Nations character written by a white well, woman. Yes, exactly, it was, yeah. yes, exactly. Um, which, yeah, like there's a lot of First Nations people that are like, that's not a First Nations flag. It's not, it's not. Um, it's got a first, it's first Nations character, perhaps, exactly. but not a First Nations flag, yes. absolutely. Yeah, so I think that's something. I do have more, but I need to have more. Thank you so much. Um, could I just I need a photo. That is all from us at The Aside. We have a load of episodes in the bank, so feel free to look through those and find one that piques your interest. If you would like to ask us a question or you have a request for a future episode, do not hesitate to contact us at asidepodcast at outlook.com. Thank you to Aaron Searle for providing the music. Thank you to Eltham College for letting us record here. Thank you to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support. And of course, thank you for listening.